Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fortress Comic News, episode 115. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside, he's never going to give you up, he's never going to let you down, he's never going to run around and desert you, he's Mike. (laughs) Episode 115, everybody, Chris finally writes down his intros for me. So before we okay, before we get started, we today we have a very special guest, Zach Kaplan on the show, um, writer of three awesome stories. Uh, we're going to talk about Port of Earth and Eclipse. Um, Port of Earth number nine goes on sale next week, so go to your local comic book shop or Comicsology, pick that up. Uh, a lot of his stuff is being optioned for shows, and then he lo- he he's a he's kind of a nerd like us, so we get to talk a little bit about Star Wars with him. Um, and yeah, so we do have a guest today. So in case you feel like you need to stick around, you know. And a jam-packed show. Yeah, jam-packed show. So we're just going to get to it because Chris doesn't want to be up all night editing. Maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, uh, it's a foregone conclusion at this point. So <laughs> it's foregone. All right. So TV news. We're jumping into it. Preacher season four starts August 4th, and it's going to be the last season. Final season. It's kind of a bummer, I, isn't it? It is a bummer. I mean, but really, where can they go from here, I guess? It's, it's one of those things. Do you really want it to be drawn out anymore? I don't know. Um, it's it's tough to say because I'm loving it right now, but I don't know, like five or six seasons. We talk about Walking Dead all the time. Like five or six seasons, am I still going to be loving it? Like, are they going to start making their own stories again? Yeah, it's tough because with something like Walking Dead where it can reinvent itself partway through, like this really can't. It's about like three people, really, but mm-hmm. one person. Right. And it sucks because I really enjoyed the last season a lot, but yeah. I do kind of like the idea of it saying, hey, we're coming out with season four. This is the last season. This is the swan song. We're I mean, it's yeah. It's almost like treating it like a, I don't know, almost like a, a movie trilogy or something. I mean, it's going to be four seasons, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it's it's a bummer, but at the same time, I'm kind of happy to see it go out the way it wants to go instead of Plus, sticking around for too long. I think Seth, if I'm not mistaken, I think Seth Rogen is he's been working on some other comic book projects too that are coming to like TV. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought he was working on the boys. I thought we talked about that, but yeah, so he's pretty busy anyways. So if we get more properties because this is ending, I'm not I'm not too upset about that. Um, so Lane, is it Lane or Ian? Ian. Ian Glenn cast as Batman in Titan season two, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that's exciting. You're bringing in season. I, I, I can't believe they're doing it as soon as season two, but uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the first season of Titans. I don't know if you haven't watched it yet, right? I watched one episode and I kind of, I just got involved in other things. I want to go yeah. back to it though. Yeah. And the first episode is really strong as a pilot. Um, it, the the season is great. It's just interesting to me that bringing Batman in so soon. Like, do they really need that many viewers? I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's there's solid characters without bringing Batman in right away. Yeah, I I would be interested to see what the numbers are for DC Universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it kind of reeks of we need a big headline around the same time as what we're going to talk about next, which is all the Disney plus stuff that's going on. Yeah. So it's been a crazy week for Disney. Um, they officially announced the, the price is going to be six ninety nine a month or 70 a year, which is almost, I am pretty sure it's the same price for DC universe. Um, 
It's it's coming November twelfth, and it's going to be on iOS, Android, Xbox, PlayStation, and more. Um, and they announced a lot of properties. Which yeah, let's let's start right there though. Pricing yeah. is perfect, and the announcement that they're coming out on pretty much everything. Most importantly, Xbox and PlayStation is huge because that's my biggest complaint about DC Universe is that I can't watch it on my big TV without buying a Amazon stick or something like that, which I don't right. own. Yeah. As opposed to my Xbox or PlayStation, which are already hooked up to my TV. Before we talk about this more, it is it's not Ian Glenn playing Batman, it's Lane Glenn, because I didn't get a chance to look at this before the show. Uh and it's a pretty big deal because he plays Jorah and uh, Joramon in Game of Thrones. I must have wrote it down wrong then. He's a he's a fairly older gentleman too. So this, I mean, I think he's going to be. I think this is going to be like a Batman Beyond style Bruce Wayne with like gray hair. I'm so down for that. I see now. This makes more sense. Okay. I like, couldn't see how they would fit Batman in, but if it's more of like Dick going to consult an old Bruce Wayne, like consult with an old Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne's like, you're a reckless piece of shit. And he's like, but you're an old man. I don't know. I can see that now. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, except for the fact that they said he's going to be Batman and showed a suit of him as Batman. Oh, there's already a picture of him? Yeah. Man. I believe so. How are they doing this? Oh, well, no, they've had, they've had like glimpses of like Batman on the show. Yeah, but I'm um, saying he's going to be yeah. Batman. He's not going to be old Bruce Wayne. So yeah. I think he's going to be more of a uh, Batfleck style Batman. He does. He does look good though in the suit. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So back to Disney Plus. Disney's got so much publicity. I just wanted to talk about DC a little longer. <laughs> but yeah, I so, thought they uh, came out strong uh, with those announcements, saying that it's going to be on all the services you own already. Right. A one at right. a good price. Yeah, because uh, that was the thing that DC kind of messed up with. Um, then they started showing us the shows. Mandalorian is coming with launch. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Vision and Scarlet Witch series. Those are two separate series we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- that's a pretty strong opening. And then they're showing like the Lady and Lady and the Tramp like live action movie. I didn't even know they were making. They just kind of like dropped that. Um, all the Star Wars are going to be available eventually. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, they so all these shows look interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And they also announced the officially announced the Marvel What If. I forgot to write that down, but okay. Mandalorian looks fantastic. I'm really excited yeah. for that. It does. Um, and then the the premise behind all the other ones are really cool. But outside of like our circle, our nerd culture circle. I mean, day one, 30 seasons of Simpsons, plus new episodes are airing on the service. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I really think I was talking to uh, our comic shop owner about this, and he was talking about how it, it feels like this has been talked about forever. And he's right. It has been. We've been talking about it, I think, since we started the show. Mm-hmm. And I really think a huge part of this was the Fox merger. And being able to come out and say we have things like Simpsons and Aliens and so on and so forth on top of being like DC Universe having the Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff is huge. Um, So, yeah, I'm super excited for this. Yeah, I'm I'm 
I'm sold. I mean, I, I want to see more banter between Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, I think. I'm thinking day one, this is going to be a year purchase. Yeah. Yeah, I did it for DC. I might as well do it for the... When it's a year like that, it's really easy, I think, to do. Um, yeah, so as far as shows that I'm watching, uh, I'm not... Uh, I don't think Flash was new again. Uh, I'm caught up on Happy. Um, Happy has three episodes out already. Um, it's really crazy. I mean, because Grant Morrison still has a hand in writing the show, um, which is nice because they've gone beyond the four-issue series. This season they tackle the Easter Bunny. <laughs> so last season was all like during Santa Claus. It was all Christmas themed. Now this is like uh, there's like a conspiracy with the the villain Sunny Shine from last season is like working with the Pope to make like Easter is supposed to be more marketable and uh, it's a lot more grotesque and over the top than last season. If you can imagine like some really messed up stuff. But uh, Nick Sachs is like trying to. Um, be better for his daughters was <laughs> like you start off he's wearing like a tommy bahama shirt and he hasn't he hasn't had a, a any type of liquor in like weeks <laughs> and he just like he's addicted to this breath uh this mint like breath spray that probably has some type of alcohol in it but he's like constantly spraying his mouth <laughs> it's it's hilarious it's i'm glad they're doing a second season kind of worried because there wasn't any like you know uh, pre-existing story, but it seems like they're actually taking the time and effort to develop these characters further. With uh, and they're actually playing on like uh, Haley and then the mother both have like some sort of PTSD because they're. I mean, one was kidnapped and the other went through some really crazy psychotic uh, murderers funhouse. So they're not. They're not just like. I, I think that's pretty cool. As I mean, it's gory and funny still, like a dark comedy, but. I think it's really cool that they're exploring the fact that like these two people are human and they're not, they're not superheroes. Like they went through really traumatic experiences and there's going to be some repercussions because of it. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. Uh, have you watched anything lately? I started watching a few episodes of the tick. Oh yeah. And Great. I, yeah. I really like it. It, it yeah. reminds me of kind of like throwing Adam West Batman into modern. Right. Um, superhero tropes yep and it's been a lot of fun i think i'm like three episodes in uh so two seasons right there's two seasons on prime right now yeah the second season just dropped and that's what really got me um thinking about it so i'll let you know when i finish that but i really enjoyed the first couple episodes of that i think it's really interesting there's just one of those shows that i just i hadn't got to yet i'm just yeah I really like. I wasn't all that excited about it, and then I was like, "Oh, somebody told me I would really like it, so I'll check it out." And I played one episode, and when the tick shows up, that's when I got hooked because he's literally doing an Adam West Batman impression. Yeah, like (laughs) there's literally moments he calls Arthur like old chum. Like it's (laughs) you're right. Yeah, you're right. So it really just reminds me of like taking that character and just like let's plan him into what a modern day superhero would be. Obviously, with some different tropes because it's not batman it's basically superman but yeah um, but yeah i'm really enjoying it so far the uh the whole premise behind like the um his sidekicks like how is it's like his parents died right they're like getting ice cream or something yeah his dad died his dad getting ice cream like really funny and but like messed up at the same time <laughs> yeah um yeah that shows a lot of fun uh all right so let's we we talk about a little of their guests today but um Star Wars 9 trailer dropped at the Disney celebration. 
And uh, Chris and I have probably watched it, I don't know, cumulative, maybe 1,200 times. But um, I, <laughs> it's exciting. Well, it's somewhat confusing and exciting because I really like the trailer. And but let me tell you my thoughts, and then I'll see what you say. But Well, let's start uh, with the title. Yeah, the title is The Rise of Skywalker, which Zach Kaplan <laughs> makes a good point, like, the whole nine movies has kind of been about the rise of Skywalker. Like Skywalker's been around, right? Um, and then we like talk about the meaning of that. This, the title, "The Rise of Skywalker," could just be like a placeholder. It doesn't. I, they could just be like, okay, this could just be like a, I don't know, some type of distraction from the actual title. But if it is the title, I feel like there's two routes they could go down. They can make it about Ray being a Skywalker, which I would, I wouldn't like. I think there's like three routes. There's like Ray could be a Skywalker, which I don't I don't really like that theory. They could be referring to um Ben Solo because technically he's a Skywalker. Correct? How so? Um he's Princess oh, Leia. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, dude. Are you, do you need to consult me for Star Wars X? I, I, you said Ben Solo, and I heard Ben Kenobi, and I'm just like, yeah, what? right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So ben Solo. He, I mean, he obviously has Han Solo's name, but he's technically part Skywalker. Or, and this is only because the reveal at the end of the trailer, which is like huge, is that Palpatine is back, the Emperor, which I think is awesome. And there's a few reasons I think that's awesome. Number one. uh, well, Hayden Christensen was at the Star Wars celebration and he said there's some big plans coming for Star Wars nine. And I don't everyone keeps saying, Oh, they're all gonna they're all gonna show up as force ghosts. It's gonna be like a force ghost party. And I'm like, I don't I honestly don't I wouldn't like that. Like everyone like everybody's standing around as a force ghost, I'm like, you get a force ghost, you get a force ghost. We have not seen the the power of like, why, why would you, you want this unlimited power from the dark side. And we know the emperor talking about like dark plagues And I mean, there's a bunch of memes about that, but um, having like, I don't know, becoming invincible. We've never seen like the, how does it, how does a Sith Lord come back? Right. And it almost seems like, and we never saw him die to begin with. Um, he gets thrown off of a ledge, but so does Luke. Luke Luke's falls down a ledge without an arm and he survives. So, um, but I almost, I like, I've been talking about these theories and some people are just like, that's crazy. But I, what, okay. So think Palpatine has been hiding out in the Death Star, right? Which I think is kind of funny that they show that in the trailer because it's like all these, all these like Jedi masters, what do they do with their power? They go into hiding like Ben Kenobi is in a desert watching over Luke uh, or yeah. And, um, and then you have Yoda is just chilling on Dagobah and it's like Palpatine is just like in some old office, like in the crash death star, like this was, I'm, this was my weapon. <laughs> like now I live here. <laughs> um, it's just funny. That's like, I, I, you can see the similarities there. They just go to hiding. But what if they're, what if they clone Anakin to make another, I mean, we know cloning technology is here. I mean, it's in one of the titles, the Clone Wars. Um, what if Palpatine has been trying to make another Anakin, like another Vader? So I'll jump in there. So my, okay, in there. What do my, you think? my theories here are 
one, Snoke was a failed Palpatine clone. Clone, yep. Um, so we've we've known from the previous extended universe that um, there was a uh, Palpatine basically cloned himself and came back a few times. And he's done that through powers of the Dark Force, Darth Plagueis, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the route they're going. And Snoke was the first one that uh, resurrected, and he was a failed one. Now we've got another one that was in the background that didn't fail, and that's the Emperor we're getting today. That's my theory. That um, Palpatine did die at the end of Return of the Jedi, but now is back through cloning technology. Now, that was the the thing that you just said was exactly what I was thinking. The rise of Skywalker is an Palpatine also had a backup plan for Vader. Right. That was to clone him. And I think that I don't want Ray to be a solo. I said it with uh, Zach in the interview that you guys are going to hear soon, but I like the idea of Ray being nobody and nothing. But let me now let me talk to you about this theory, okay? So if, uh, the I mean, Star Wars one, two, and three, and I've been talking about this with the guys in the group chat like all week about about theories. So, um, and this is my own theory. I'm stealing this from someone. But the so throughout the episodes one, two, and three, what did Palpatine do? He by like by using the Force, he almost he almost has Padme like by the Force itself. He kind of has Anakin be born oh, or not Anakin. I'm sorry. Uh, Luke and Leia by like the will of the, uh, just by like manipulating people through the dark side. Right. Um, so what if like, what if, what if Ray was almost conceived of the force and that's why she has such a pull to the dark side. Like Palpatine was like, I don't know, doing some shit in the background that she, her, the parents don't matter, but it was like the will of the force or the, you know, manipulation from Sith Lord. I don't know. Who knows? It's some weird divine crap <laughs> going on there. And then like, he realizes, well, she's, she's more of a, she has a call to the light. So I'm just going to use my Anakin clone <laughs> to be my new, my new apprentice. Um, See, I was going to say, I, I don't like the idea of her being a Skywalker, but I think she's a Skywalker. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I think she's Rey Solo. Oh, okay. And I think that what happened in episode eight with uh, Kylo saying, you know, you're nobody, you're nothing, trying to get him to the side, he knows that that's his sister. And right. that's why he has such a connection with her. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to get that. Um, and then, yeah, the Rise of Skywalker is, I mean, it's got to be the Return of Vader, right? I mean, I don't see any other... But- what like do what other way can you get people excited about the next three movies is have like a Vader Kyle Ren team up and you already know Kyle Ren is so like obsessed with his grandfather that he would like it's it's totally within the realm of the of the story that he would be helping out Palpatine if it was just to make it was if it was to bring his grandfather back well see i feel that th- if this happens, if they bring back Vader mm-hmm. and he the clone of Vader is brought up and he's blah, 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 that Kylo is going to see this as an atrocity of the Force mm-hmm. and end up teaming up with Rey to defeat the uh-huh. Emperor. Yeah, because like, what if the Emperor is like, yeah, Kylo, you suck. You basically, um, 
because he killed he killed Palpatine's clone. So what if like early on in the movie they team up like that? Okay, so the trailer starts off with that awesome shot of like Ray and Kylo. We assume Kylo's in the speeder. They don't show him like fighting each other. So what if like they team up because Palpatine's like, well, you're a little brat, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make a clone of Anakin because you suck. <laughs> Like nobody will ever be as hateful or like perfect as a villain as Anakin was. So I don't know. I'll do you one better. What if that's Anakin and the speeder? Yeah, right. Because they don't even show it, dude. Because they show the gloves to right. hit towards Kylo. But if you go right. back to the prequel trilogy, Anakin wears black gloves like that. So it's and he even wears a black suit ish like that. So it's not out of the realm of who he was they, in those movies part of this trailer too is like we i talk about in the interview is like uh jj bringing all the stuff back that he wanted to use that ryan johnson kind of got rid of so like in the trailer you get a shot of someone again the gloves it's not we don't know if it's kylo or not like piecing his mask back together like a puzzle <laughs> like i feel like that was a direct thing at ryan johnson like hey this was a cool helmet <laughs> i'm bringing this back <laughs> uh, you can't take this away from me yeah, so quick run through. I mean, having Lando come back. And, oh, yeah, Lando looks awesome. And in the Falcon was fantastic. Right. And it's funny because uh, when, when the, I mean, one of the interactions with Han Solo and uh, Lando is, I want the Falcon back. And he says, over my dead body, well, Han Solo's dead, everyone. So yeah. finally got it back. And then we get a glimpse of a bunch of new characters. Yep. One we're assuming is Lando's daughter. Um, and then we get uh, Oscar Isaac doing his best Nathan Drake impression. Yep. And just glimpses of other characters. So I think all in all, it was a really great tease. And it did what it needed to do because we just spent, what, 15 minutes talking about theories? Oh, my God. I know. And <laughs> They did it. They figured out a way to get us hyped again. Yeah. And I... I didn't say it in the interview that you guys are going to hear once again soon, but uh, I, I always thought that the biggest problem with Solo, the reason Solo quote-unquote failed, was because it came out so close. If they would have kept to that Christmas yearly schedule, mm -hmm. I think they would have been fine. Um, having it come out this Christmas, I mean, that's when I want Star Wars to come out as the best time for it. It just feels like an event right around Christmas time right after Christmas where I can go watch Star Wars and uh, just to keep it in that time space is perfect. Um, now that being said, uh, they are taking a hiatus after this, mm -hmm. but they said that the two trilogies that uh, Ryan Johnson and I forget the other gentleman's name, but the old uh, Game of Thrones showrunner are working on mm -hmm. are going to be the continuation of this. Okay, but they so they said that this is the end of the Skywalker saga, but now we're going to move forward, and they're planning out the next ten plus years of Star Wars, as they should be. Yeah, so I'm really excited for that because that means that they've learned from what they were doing with Marvel and saying let's plan this out and then we'll make our movies as we go, following the structure of the story we have planned. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, do you uh, you watch the movie this week? I did. 
Um, so I watched a documentary called Too Funny to Fail. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the Dana Carvey show. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. No, never watched it. But uh, everybody knows Dana Carvey um, from uh, SNL and Wayne's World and so on and so forth. After he was done with Wayne's World, he was given a TV show, the Dana Carvey show. <laughs> and it was basically the best group of talent that was unknown at the time. But if you brought them together today, you would say it's a super group. So this was the first show that Steve Carell was on. Mm-hmm. It was the first show that uh, Steve Colbert was on. Um, Louis C.K. was one of the head writers of the show. Oh, wow. Um, I forget the showrunner's name, but he's the guy behind um, Triumph, the Insult Comic Dog, and a bunch of Conan stuff. Oh, wow. It's huge names that you hear of. The documentary is super funny. I really liked it. Um, the moment that really encapsulates the whole documentary for me is they the show was to air right after Home Improvement, which at the time was like the biggest show in the world. Oh, yeah. It was so big. And they showed an uh, old commercial for it, and it was an episode of Home Improvement where they thought that the son had cancer. And so they're going through these really horrific oh. moments of the show. Oh, no. And then Dana Carvey had this idea of what if – every episode was sponsored by somebody and then we could kind of riff on the sponsorship. Uh-huh. So they're doing this whole thing and it's different uh, moments of this kid crying and Tim Allen hugging his children in the moment. And then it ends with, and to be followed by the, the diet mug root beer, Dana Carvey show. <laughs> <laughs> like it shows clips from that and leaves. Uh-huh. It was the funniest thing I've seen. That's awesome. Uh, this is hands down my favorite movie of the year. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Um, you can find it on Hulu. It's just okay. fantastic. If you're a comedy fan, especially a sketch comedy fan, it's like a must must watch. That's awesome. Yeah, I watched Shazam again in the theaters, and I loved it even more the second time. Did you go see Hellboy? Oh God! For those of you, we're not talking about Hellboy because it has a nine on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I so, will watch it eventually, but I think I'm going to skip the theater. Yeah. On that. I don't know, some people are saying that it's like over the top and crazy, but it's like that doesn't make it a good movie. It, it's I think it's more disappointing because like we know what it, we, I mean, we've seen a Guillermo del Toro Hellboy. Honestly, nothing's going to live up to that. Guillermo is just, I don't know. He's one of my favorite directors. So Yeah, and the trailers didn't get me excited for this movie. Yeah, what was it, like Legendary AF or something? It was like Oh God! Fire your marketing team, please. Um, anyways, let's uh, let's cut to this awesome interview with Zach Kaplan, and uh, we'll see everybody on the other side. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today we have another very special guest, author of Port of Earth, as well as a couple other awesome comics. Welcome to the show, Zach Kaplan. Hi. What's up, Zach? How you doing? Good. Um, so, I mean. As far as comic book writers go that we've had on here, this is like, you kind of started off like 2016, right? You're fairly new to the game. So uh, how, how did it all begin? Yeah. How did I get in? But I mean, it's, uh, I, I think like for you, it's like three out of three though. Are, are you getting like three TV shows from your, from your books right that's now? That's right. They are all, they're all in development for, uh, awesome. for TV. I'm at the, I'm at the craps table and uh, it's uh, <laughs> going strong right now. It's pretty hot right now. So let's hear the order. Yes. Everyone needs to put some bets alongside me with, uh, um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. It's been surreal and it's been, uh, 
been a little over two years. Uh, you know, I, I pitched for years. I really uh, always wanted to do comics. I grew up reading superhero fanfare and all sorts of just general stuff. And then it wasn't really until about 02, 03 that I kind of came back to the genre and really fell in love with Brian K. Vaughn, Warren Ellis, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Rucka, you know, all, all that Vertigo stuff uh, around then. And uh, it was always a dream of mine to do a comic from then on. And then I finally got the chance to do uh, Eclipse. Eclipse was the first one I got to do with Top Cow. Matt Hawkins mm-hmm. uh, heard the pitch, liked it, decided to give me a flyer. Uh, it was a four-issue mini. Very well. And uh, the rest is history. So uh, that was that was my so break. That's a that's a great segue for us. You, you set us up. So let's talk about uh, Eclipse then. So we have two volumes yeah. that are out. Um, hopefully three after three, three, three volumes right okay, now. Three volumes. Actually, and, three we're, volumes and we're just starting the, the, the fourth and final arc. So uh, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. So let's uh, give our give our listeners like a plot synopsis for that. Uh, sunlight uh, will burn you alive if you go outside. The sun has turned deadly. Everybody works at night. They sleep during the day. There's a killer going around using sunlight to burn his victims, and it's up to our uh, hero uh, to stop him. And, and uh, our hero is an ordinary solar engineer who actually works during the day uh, while everyone is uh, sleeping. And he helps fix the city, and because he's out there in one of these kind of like uh, suits, he, he kind of is on, uh, on the beat when uh, the, these murders first start. Uh, but what starts is kind of very noir uh, thriller, uh, kind of evolves into a, a, a an action uh, thriller, uh, power politics, conspiracies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out there's a lot more going on in the city. There's uh, some very exciting uh, twists and turns. And ultimately, it's, uh, it's really this post-apocalyptic landscape. And it's about a, uh, a New York City has survived. And it's about the fate of the city and the people in it. And, uh, um, yeah, it's a lot. We have a lot of fun burning people alive. <laughs> yeah it's got that good mix of like uh crazy sci-fi action and um and then you have like the, the political conspiracy going on too yeah yeah um you were breaking up there for a second yeah it's uh it's got it's got a lot a lot of different subgenres, a lot of action a lot of uh um thriller and conspiracy and mystery and and also so i try to spend a lot of time you know, uh, really in the character stories and flashbacks of, of uh, different characters to show kind of what their life was like before the flare and how they got to where they are and why maybe the dilemmas that you're seeing uh, unfold are maybe a little more complex for them than, than would be otherwise. So, uh, so yeah. Awesome. And so from there, uh, Port of Earth. From there, uh, Port of Earth. Port of Earth was my second. Yeah. That started in, um, uh, very tail end of 2017, mm-hmm. and then um, it uh, we did eight issues, and then we're just about to come back with the the second season as we've been calling it. And uh, awesome. Port of Earth, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's uh, what would happen if aliens came not to blow us up like they do in every single movie ever, but uh, came with a business deal. They want to build a port here on Earth. We have a a water planet, which is uh, most of the ships run on water, and uh, in exchange, they offer us that technology to turn water into energy, and how can we say no? And it turns out that we uh, don't make a very good deal after all. So but it follows the, the business politics uh, of this uh, uh, port and situation around it, along with the action and, and thrills of the agents 
uh, on the ground. There's an Earth security agency that's responsible for protecting humans and alien visitors alike. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And how do you uh, end up working with uh, Andrea Muti with that one? Uh, he was on Top Cow's uh, uh, radar. Actually, the irony is, uh, so uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ryan Katie. He's uh, uh, another uh, up-and-coming writer. He did Infinite Dark for Top Cow. And yep. he was an uh, editor at a very brief window. And um, he uh, had a list of several artists that he had been compiling that were on his radar. And one of them was Andrea. And so when I was putting uh, Port of Earth together, um, he was the one that gave me the list of artists and Andrea was on that list and I loved his stuff. It was just very interesting and I, it was very like gritty and it's very emotive and kind of um, there's a lot of passion in it. And, it. and it reminded me, I always thought of Port of Earth, a lot of it follows these agents on the ground and I always thought of it kind of as a very like, like almost like footage following kind of like if it was the, the equivalent would like end of watch uh that jake gyllenhaal michael penner mm-hmm. movie where like the cameras are following them the whole time so I, I thought it'd be really cool to have an artist that had a very kind of frenetic uh gritty style and uh andrea had that um the irony is that uh, uh ryan had wanted him for himself one day and then and then uh when he got the chance to do his first top cow book he got andrea to do infinite dark for him so uh we both have uh, andrea doing two different sci-fi uh books very different but um yeah, uh, Andrea is an Italian artist, and uh, it was uh, an instant uh, uh, love fest. We had a great time building the whole world out of aliens going to look like, and what are the ships going to look like, and what's the the style, and all this kind of stuff. Um, it was, it's been a blast, kind of world building with him. He's he's awesome. Yeah, Andrew, the, I got into his work actually through uh, the Rebels book he did. The irony being that I really love his work, and now he's one of my favorite sci-fi uh, artists. But so that book, we're on issue nine now, correct? Correct. Issue nine is uh is uh hits uh April seventeenth. Um, Next 17th, week, 17th? right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, thanks to you, I was lucky enough to be able to read it early. I. I absolutely love this issue because not only is it a great continuation of the story, but I think it's one of the better examples of a great jumping on point. Uh, how was that in terms of writing? How, how was the balance there for you in time trying to get new people into it and catch them up on the story while at the same time, not frustrating people and continuing the story forward? Well, I think there's uh, a lot of advantages I have with this issue that allow me to to make it a good jumping in point. One is uh, I have this framework setting up the whole series, which are these, uh, there's an interview going on at the beginning between a very typical kind of CNN type of anchor. And then um, the particular guest uh, for this new arc is actually an alien representative from the group, the consortium group of aliens that we've made this deal with. And that kind of allows me the chance. I mean, obviously that, interview is not just there for exposition. It's, it's a dramatic storyline in and of itself, but it allows me to kind of set the table again, tell people what's going on, give them a lot of information. And, um, and then we have some time elapsed between the last eight issues. So if you've read the last eight issues of Port of Earth and you loved it, 
what's happened, it, there's been a, um, a break for the characters as well. And so having the characters come back into the story, um, you're kind of picking up new events and new things have happened. And, and so, um, I don't know, that reset kind of gives me a chance to just say, well, here's these characters, here's what they're focused on. And you can spend time later on in the story kind of figuring out where they're, where they are, where their emotions are, what happened to them, what's going on, what's the, the character dilemmas at hand, but here's the, here's the table. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, uh, thanks so much. I'm glad you liked it. And, uh, and I'm glad to hear that you thought it was a good jumping in point. That, that was obviously one of my, my goals. And then, uh, with this book and obviously all the books you write now are turning into shows, but how, how does it feel to get that notice that somebody wants to turn your comic book into a uh, TV show or movie or whatever? It's surreal. It's surreal. Um, I can't, I can't conceive of it. You know, I'm just waiting to, to see if it'll happen. Um, I mean, they're all in development. Um, Mm -hmm there's a there's a chance nothing could happen but there's a chance that that it could happen with one of them or more and and i can't really wrap my head around it yeah. but it's it uh you know i guess it's success it's it's kind of a very interesting thing you know i remember when i was just starting out in and wanting to make a comic and i landed a comic and the concept that i would have a comic in stores was surreal you know yeah. and yeah. now it's in lots of stores and and the concept the concept of having somebody want me to sign a comic that was an alien kind of uh (laughs) concept too like what that's weird and now that's i go to conventions all the time and people come up and they're cging my you know and you know they're ebaying and the whole thing people are collecting my my signature that's weird and so uh i guess it's just i'll have you know if a tv show goes then i'll be like well yeah that's my show um You just kind of, you're always climbing the mountain and you, and it always feels flat wherever you're standing, no matter how high or low you go. You know, I'm sure Rick Remender is out there telling someone that he just has deadly class on and they're like, what's that? I don't watch that. I watch Netflix. You know, I watch Umbrella Academy. What's deadly class again? And he's like, okay, (laughs) so I guess, uh, you know, I guess I still have more to go. Sorry, I didn't get there for you, but you know, everyone is always climbing so i don't know i can't really wrap my head around it it's really it's a really surreal um thing and i guess it, i guess if it if it goes i mean port of earth is the furthest along uh there's a pilot being written right now for it and so if they like that pilot they'll order it and that's it that's the then it goes so it's i can't <laughs> it's crazy yeah how, how much outside of the original um comic how much influence do you have on the pilot or the show you know, uh, I mean, I'm participating in the development of it, but at a point I had to kind of step back and let somebody come in and, uh, and, and spearhead the adaptation. Um, they brought on someone who has TV experience, who's worked on several TV shows, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who's a name that, that, uh, the, the network was excited about. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that they, uh, will be true enough to the comic that, that we're all excited about it. But at the same time, uh, obviously when you're adapting a show, you need to expand the world. You need to introduce new things. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see that creativity play out. Um, so, uh, we'll see so far. It all looks very, very cool and promising and exciting. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic and excited about it. 
That's awesome. Well, congrats That's again awesome. on that. It's really cool. Thank you. So, uh, so my uh, big question now my, is, what's next? Do you want to do superhero comics? Do you want to keep doing your uh, your independent work? Uh, where do you see yourself going in the years to come? Yeah, I want to do it all. Um, I have I have more creator-owned stuff that I'm trying to work on that's mm-hmm. uh, in the pipeline. Uh, nothing that I can reveal in detail here, but uh, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I've started to talk about um, – is I had a, you know, once Port of Earth went and Lost the Explorers went, I had, ideas have never been a problem for me. And I had lots of people that were excited to do books with me. Mm -hmm. But bringing Eclipse back and trying to wrap that up, bringing Port of Earth back, I found myself just not wanting to rush everything. You know, I kept thinking about the fact that these books are going to be on the shelves and I want them to to have lasting power. I want them to to, to remain good. And... So I've had to take a to beat on some of the new stuff it's, and, and, and really make sure that what I'm working on now gets the, is awesome. And so, um, so there's new stuff coming, but it's, it's, it's taking me a little bit longer to get it out than, than I initially had anticipated, but I think that's a good thing. It's kind of yeah. different now because there's, I mean, there's no pressure before, right? You're just kind of creating at your own pace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And once, and you talk to publishers who say, let's do something and you say, yeah, let's, here's an idea. And it's not hard to submit an idea, but once that ball starts to roll, you know, once you get an artist attached and you start to get people behind it, it's hard to, to put the brakes on that. And so, um, yeah, I'm definitely, that's been one of the biggest, um, transitions and experiences of, of, of trying to figure out what's too much. And you see so many comic creators talk about taking on too much and burning out or, or, mm-hmm. or maybe you, maybe fans feel the quality has gone down and, and it's a balance and trying to figure out, well, how, where, where's my, where's my, I can do all this. And I can, when I'm creating, you know, now that I um, am a couple of years in, I can, um, you know, there are publishers out there that are excited to work with me and I can put an idea out there, but once the ball gets rolling, you get an artist on board, it's, it's hard to just stop that. And so yeah, I'm really having to learn how many books can I have going on at one time? You know, artists usually do one or two, but writers can do more. And it's just a question of what, what is my, what can I do, but still retain a, a, a level of quality that I, that I am happy with. Um, that I don't feel like anything's being neglected, that it's all awesome. So, but to answer the initial question, I'm very excited to do, to do superhero stuff. I got the chance to just do, um, uh, something small with DC, which was script, uh, a couple Nightwing, uh, issues, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to more. I think that what's going on in, in Marvel and DC, uh, comics right now is very exciting because I feel like we're seeing more and more very unique and different creators come in and i think about things like mr miracle what tom king did with that i was i thought that was awesome uh you know i love seeing graham morrison come back and play in the in the um green lantern sandbox and i I just think that there's so many there's so many ways to to do superheroes now your own way and so i feel like if i any character i can i could potentially get the opportunity to do i can put my my stamp on it and do it you know in in my way a little bit so i think that's really exciting um so yeah i'm 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 i would like to do it all um 
<laughs> do you have yeah. a Do you have a character like if Marvel or DC came to you, what would be a, like maybe top three characters you'd want to write? For Marvel, you know, I like antiheroes a lot. Okay. Um, I like characters that struggle with their identities or their missions and 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 what they're faced with. So, I don't know that I would pigeonhole to a particular list because I think that's a, that's a pretty unique swath. I, I don't think that I like the the fun, always optimistic. I like to to put characters through the ringer and explore that kind of human condition. Mm-hmm. I think that that can happen with an anti-hero. It can happen with someone who is, you know, uh, like a Captain America or someone who is um, laden with a lot of responsibility and then they get tested and, it, and, and, you know, I, I think there's lots of interesting characters. And the other thing I like to do is explore world building and um, modern themes. And I think that there's an, a lot of interesting ways um, you know, I think you, you look at, uh, or again, Green Lantern, he just had some mm-hmm. sort of godlike character buy uh, uh, Earth in, a, in an auction. And it's just a kind of like that, that was a fun, that was a really interesting um, exchange that Grant Morrison wrote there. And I just think that there's a lot of ways to, that would be my interest. Whatever sandbox, you know, Marvel or DC would say, here's something that you can do these kinds of things in. I wouldn't want to do something that they say, we want something fun and no, no depth. We just want this to be light and don't, don't do anything. There there are books, there's, there are, there are those comics too, that people just want to pick up and enjoy and be entertained. And they don't want to, to, to get dramatic. I like, I like drama. So I would be interested in whatever. there's There's so much. Yeah, 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 I agree. It's almost like when you pick up a Grant Morrison book, you know you're going to get into some like heavy thoughts um, and world building. It's like you when they pick up your book, you want this, you want to, you want to have a sense of writing that comes with that too, not just. Yeah, like, I mean, I you know if if you I'm starting to develop a, a style. If you look at uh, Eclipse, Court mm-hmm. of Earth, and Lost Explorers, and I think at the end of the day, they're all not just fun and entertaining and world building. That I'm all trying to to make my readers think in some way. I don't think that I have any, I'm sure that there's some morals there, but you know, I'm not trying to preach. I mean, especially Port of Earth, you know, to get back to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, you know, what would I do in terms of the, the deal and what's the right way and wrong way. I just am trying to say, I think that there's a lot of complexity <laughs> here and, and, and uh, it's fun to think about. Um, it's fun to think about how humans might handle these types of situations. And, and um, I'm sure by the end of it, some overarching moral or theme will rise to the surface a little bit. But I, I would rather just pose interesting questions to readers as they're being entertained and then, and then let them think about it. So, um, awesome. yeah. But I'm I'm excited to do more to to do more uh, superhero stuff. I think that it's uh, it's awesome what's going on at Marvel and DC right now. Cool. So why don't we leave you with the last uh, question? Probably the most important question of the day. Okay. What do you think of the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer? <laughs> <laughs> what a what what a oh man. Uh, I wish we could do this after Game of Thrones premiered because I'd much rather talk about that one. Uh, we'll have you back on. We'll do. We could do part two. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll schedule it right after this. <laughs> well, you know, 
Well, here, well, first off, let me say this. I think it's really disappointing mm-hmm. that Star Wars has become such a polarized um, thing to discuss. I don't yeah. really understand that. Um, I, I mean, I guess that there are, there are lovers and haters and all of this animosity and friction has caused people to feel like they have to either completely defend the whole institution or they have to completely hate on the whole thing. I grew up loving Star Wars. Uh, I love the first three to death. I love the world of it. You know, obviously, episode one through three, we can all recognize that was uh, some interesting storytelling going on there. I like some of the things that have been happening in the new episodes, but um, they don't fire on all cylinders like the the originals did for me. Um, I'm finding myself entertained, but you know, I didn't go see Solo in the theater. I was one of those, and I don't think it was because Solo didn't look good. It was because I I was I, I, I got some level some level of fatigue from episode seven and eight mm-hmm. parts of it, but I didn't like all of it. And I can't help but now look at the new trailer with that lens. I mean. All the moments that they highlight, I'm like, yeah, the her flipping over the the whatever that thing is, the the fighter jet. That's yeah. it's cool. It's a cool moment. It's cool as hell. But I can't help but now have a little sense of skepticism about it all. And the title, I was a little confused. Is anybody else confused by the title, or are we all just completely yeah. <laughs> the rise board? the rise of Skywalker? Right? Yeah. I, um, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, didn't. Haven't we seen a couple Skywalkers already? Like, <laughs> yeah, these movies have been about Skywalkers for like yeah nine movies. <laughs> the rise of Star Wars, and I'm like, wait, we have eight of them already. What do you mean the rise of it? We've been. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on the cruise already. What do you mean, like the the, the I don't know. It's like being at the beach for uh, a week, and you're like enjoying it, and then they're like, okay, today meet the waves and you're like well, we, we've been swimming with the waves for years i don't i don't know i don't know so i'm like i don't get that title i just don't get it yeah. uh maybe there's some big reveal coming and like she's a she's a skywalker and i don't know what i don't i'm open i don't I'm know open. I, mean, I, have, I have some theories but like the team laugh at the end definitely you know that, that kind of shows that he's going to be in the movie. And I don't know. Any Christians going to keep saying that he's going to have an appearance? I don't know if they bring a clone in or if he's going to be a force ghost. I don't know. I just, I really hope they don't do Ray as a Skywalker because that was my favorite part of Last Jedi was her being nobody. You're nobody. You're nothing. You're just this person. And yeah. I just love that aspect of it. So yeah, I was confused by the titles. My two, my two cents though is that, that was a fake out. I think that the I don't. I think that you when you pose a question like who's someone's parents, if you then just say nobody, I felt like they were faking us out for the for the for the third arc reveal. So I don't know. Um, but you know, my disappointing thing about the Palpatine laugh was like, okay, cool. He was a he was a, a really cool villain, and I'm not opposed to seeing what he's got in his arsenal. But we did just have uh, Snooky, Snooky Snook, uh, who was uh, Snooky Snook, who left New Jer- Jersey Shore to come and uh, visit us. And I mean, like he came and he had some big plans and then he kind of just 
peaced out. And so I'm kind of like, wait, well, what, what did we do? We didn't really do much with that guy. Right. And so yeah. I, you know, looking at the long lineage of amazing antagonists, which in my opinion is what actually made Star Wars have lasting power. I don't actually think that Star Wars had such power because of Luke. I think it actually had such power because you had a nobody going up against one of the most interesting, badass villains of all time, Darth Vader. Yeah. And I mean, he was just so, so amazing in terms of, of, of villains. And uh, that's why we kind of love watching the, the, the originals because you don't know how Luke is going to defeat him. And then he's his father. And it's just like, Oh, well, how do you beat, how do you beat that? You know, he, he, you can't. And so that was interesting. That was what, what I think we all loved is the complexity of it and, and how amazing that conflict was. And so Snooki didn't, Snooki didn't really make me uh, stay up at nights concerned about uh, how will Ray defeat him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I hope Palpatine can come back. Um, I just want to be scared. I want to. I want to have that moment where I don't feel like the good guy can win, as opposed to I feel like the good guy can always win no matter what. Because um, I'd rather I'd rather have my expectations reversed then always feel like um, there's no, it's a no brainer. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, I, I'm not giving up on it. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not all in how dare anybody say a word against it. I think uh, <laughs> uh, I, I want to be pleasantly surprised. I want to go and watch it and be like, you know what? All right. Seven and eight. Uh, I see. I see why they. I. I uh, okay. I'm cover. I know why they. They did everything, but I don't mm -hmm. know. We'll see. Yeah, and part of it, I think, is like if you look at eight and night and nine, it's almost like JJ Abrams and Ryan Johnson like fighting over what what toys they wanted to play with. It was like Ryan Johnson completely wiped the slate clean of all the things that like JJ Abrams set up. And then Jamie Abrams is going back in, like, okay, I'm going to bring all these things back that I wanted to use before. And, you know, but, you know, this is, this is just taking a step back. It's not a good way to – stories don't work when they um, – you're, you're allowing different people to, to, to take over. I mean, you have to – I mean, good Lord, at least the first episodes one through three were cohesive. You know, love him or hate him. I mean, at least I, at least George Lucas had his idea and vision. He didn't feel like suddenly he was completely course correcting 180 degrees. So, if that's what this is all about, if this is about JJ and and Rian just completely, you know, taking turns at the car and, and go driving one way and then turning around and driving the other way, right, I, right. That's, that's not. I hope that's not what's going on. So well, it seems like they learned a lesson because they did say that moving forward, they're uh, they're going to take more of the MCU approach, and they're actually sitting down and plotting out the next ten years. So they said after this movie, it's going to be a hiatus, and then move forward. So mm -hmm. I, I think that was the biggest problem with this trilogy is they didn't have a single voice that was the head of it. They didn't have a Kevin Feige, if you will, to say this is where the story goes. Now you guys can add your little special sauce in, but you're going to stick with this these beats and um, I yeah, think that's, that's what the first two trilogies did so well. I think Marvel has set the table in terms of the, 
the way to do it. I mean, the Marvel movies for me are firing on full cylinders. I, uh, I loved, um, the first, uh, what was the last Avengers? What was the title of it? Um, Oh, infinity war. war. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm ready to go for Endgame. I mean, yeah. sign me up. I've been, I've been digging it. Um, I mean, some of the standalones are not all a pluses. Some of them are, are B's or so, but just the whole, what I, I appreciate the thought that they put into all the movies kind of coalescing. So um, if Star Wars does that, I think that would be a good recipe for them for sure. So everybody yeah. with that, make sure to go to your comic shops this Wednesday to pick up Port of Earth number nine. And uh, if you haven't read one through eight, pick up the trades of those as well. Um, it's a great book. And then also try to find all of Zach's other books, Eclipse, and uh, we didn't talk much about it, but Lost Explorers as well. And Zach, if people want to find you and keep up with what you're doing, where is the best place to send them? I'm online. Uh, I have a website, ZachCaps.com, and uh, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at ZachCaps. And uh, yeah, reach out, hit me up, and uh, um, I'm there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. We uh, love to have you back, especially maybe halfway through Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll start talking about that, too. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, welcome back. Um, great interview. Honestly, you could probably talk more with them, so we'll probably have to have them back on. But yeah, check local comic shops next week for the next installment of Port of Earth. Yeah, it's really good. I think I talked about it last week on the show. Yeah, I got. I, I actually read volume one and two of Eclipse, but I'll, I'll talk about that in the, when we talk about our comics. So, comic news, Chris. Um there's a new Loki series coming in July from Daniel Kibble Smith. What a name. <laughs> and Oscar Bazaldua. Did you just make these names? This is like, <laughs> you're looking at objects in the house, you're like Kibble Smith and Baldozadula. Ba- <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like, they get more ridiculous. Anyways, but that's. I had- yeah. I had to recheck the article for Kibblesmith today because I was like, that's not a real name. I made that up. <laughs> it's awesome. It's an awesome name. The Smith of Kibbles. Um, yes, I'm sorry. Duh, Dan he comes from a long line of people that make Kibbles and bits. Anyways, I'm sorry, dude. I just, your name's great. I, he's he's I, never coming on the show. No, I'm sorry. We'll have to tell him if he does. But uh, so, as a Thor fan, will you be picking this up? How do you feel about a Loki solo book? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> the only thing that's interesting about it is that he's holding Mjolnir. Um, the other interesting thing is I just read a book called War of the Realms, and I watched Loki get eaten by a frost giant. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, you, anything that is like out of the continuity to you, you can just really give a shit about. Well, th- not not that. If it's a cool story, I don't care whether it's in continuity or not, even though I am a continuity whore. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but Loki's just not a character that does it for me on his own. Um, I think he's an interesting Yang to Thor's Yang, but just I'm confused on because this is a Marvel title book. It's not like it said you know like Marvel yeah. what if or whatever. So I'm it wondering like mini series either. It's an ongoing. Yeah. So when does this take place? And if it takes place in current continuity, then I want the story of how Loki survives the intestinal track of <laughs> a Frost Giant. They do like half the, of him is hanging out of the thing's mouth. So they do like the Mister Hand episode of South Park, where you like, like yeah, they, that, I want that. So yeah, um, 
It's just the whole issue is just like him crawling through the bowels of a frost giant. <laughs> Drawn by Alex Ross. <laughs> Alex Ross. <laughs> I would pay so much money. Uh, it's definitely not going to be that. I don't know. Loki's just like kind of boring to me. And I, I feel like his popularity on the big screen is a lot to do with it's a very attractive Tom Hiddleston playing him. Um, kind of like the Aquaman effect of like. Of like why he's so pop- why the movie is so popular. I mean, come on, Jason Momoa playing it had had a pretty big reason. First of all, I was an Aquaman hipster, so yeah, whatever. I was an Aquaman before it was like, cool. There's um, like two of you, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Loki's had stuff before, so he's always been a character that's had his own solo thing. But it's like, uh, uh what's the the one I always bring up? Black Widow is the one I always bring up. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I like her as a part of the Avengers, but I'm not so sure about her on her own. That's how I feel about Loki. I like Loki as a bad guy, but I don't know if I like Loki in his own solo book. So there's people that strongly disagree with me, and I know a few of them who will buy everything Loki all the time. So good. That's good that, for them, and I hope it is good. So yeah, that's who that book's being made for. Um, yeah. <clears throat> five issue miniseries called Punisher Kill Crew is coming in July from Jerry Dugan. And the art is by Juan Fer- Ferriara. 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 I can't use I think it's a typo. Anyways, how do you feel about that? Kill Crew. Is there a reason the crew is spelled with a K? Is there some significance? I think it's a Mortal Kombat tie-in. Really? Not really? No. <laughs> I was about to like put that on my poll list. <laughs> Could you um, imagine? Punisher versus, hold on a second. Punisher <laughs> versus all of the Mortal Kombat heroes? Dude. Oh my god. I've never wanted something so bad until now. Um, Where did that look? I might try it out because I like Jerry Dugan. Um, yeah, he's a good writer. And I also really like the cover because it has a Punisher with two machine guns wearing the uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim 5, or yeah, Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim helmet from the cover. The one with the horns. Oh, hell yeah, dude. He's got like a Viking helmet on. Yeah. It, it almost looks like a reference to the, the Doom. Yeah, it is. That's a that's the cover to Doom, the video game. Okay. You know where he's like the guy standing there and like fighting off the demons from hell? So I wonder if he's going to hell. Yeah, so I'm I'm like interested in it. I think we talked about it with um I know I've talked about it in private with Travis, but I think we did in the show as well. I like weird, wacky Punisher. Yeah, right. So if this is like weird, wacky Punisher, I'm all in. Um, if it takes itself too seriously, then I might drop off, but we'll see. I do like Jerry Duggan's work, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, dude, I might actually pick this up. That's I, I just I love the reference to Doom, like, and I don't know him fighting hordes of demons. Like, yeah. Um, I'm on board for that. Um, yeah, so Invisible Woman issue five issue series is coming from Mark Wade and artist Mattia De Luis in July. Hold up a second, Mark Wade writing Invisible Woman. What? This is awesome. Why is this? I. It's like whenever Mark Wade goes on a book, it's like. It's it's sometimes it's the most like obscure shit like when you went on Archie, but you're like this could work, you know what I mean? Like I I'm I would totally I'm gonna totally read this because it's Mark Wade. So I did a little research on this. I uh-huh. couldn't find a single time when 
Invisible Woman had her own book. Oh. So this could be the first time. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure there's Fantastic Four. Right. Um, well, she's always been like, better than me. She's always been like the Reed Richards sidekick is why. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, that's just how it is, right? Uh, for me, I've never been a big... I mean, I try Fantastic Four. I do. Yeah. It never. It always falls flat for me, so... Yeah, I love the Fantastic Four because there's nothing like that in DC. Yeah, so I w- well, there's terrifics. Um, but <laughs> well, you know what I mean, like the terrific. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, that's a joke. But I'll wait to see what people say about this before I commit to buying it because I, it just it has the Mark Wade factor for me. But it's not like I, as much as I do like Mark Wade, it's not like Mark Wade's a given. Like he used to be for me at least he wrote a good archie book he did he also wrote yeah. archie 1942 which was fantastic so story right. as well i'm not saying he doesn't have it in him i'm just yeah. saying his stuff isn't as given as it was at one time and i can imagine the rest of the fantastic four won't be in that book no but maybe it's about like a week when reed richards goes on vacation and they like she has to lead the team or something um anyways okay so the last piece of marvel news is ecstatic return x static that's the letter x static return for a giant size ecstatic issue from the original creative team peter milligan and artist mike allred i've never read ecstatic i don't know if you've ever read ecstatic but are you ecstatic about it I have read Ecstatic, and I fucking love Ecstatic. Really? Is he basically Static Shock? Like, who is this hero? It is a X-Men team. Oh, okay. Well, now, okay, now the play on X makes a lot more sense. Who's on this team? So, uh, this is the team that originally had Dupe in it. Oh. Uh, now so the, I understand. The main premise of this team is that they are a, they were the first reality show superhero team. Mm-hmm. So Dupe was their cameraman, and they were a mutant-based uh, team that went out, and hilarity ensued. But the big thing here is that uh, you know, and I'm sure the listeners know by now, I love Mike Allred. Yeah. So when he does something, I'm all for it. I just I love Ecstatic so much. So to bring it back, it's one issue. This is all part of the Marvel 80th anniversary initiative. Uh, bringing back Marvels, bringing back this, and I'm sure more is coming as the year goes on. But I'm super excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's uh, it's a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, a lot of stuff from DC too. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, um, to anyone out there, Mike, you included, if you have Comicsology Unlimited, Ecstatic is uh, free to read. Oh, nice. Um, so DC shoving things down your throat, um, trying to get that young animals imprint to work, you know. Uh, it's this is all. I feel like this is what they wanted originally. Like I, so we'll just say there, there's a new Doom Patrol coming from Gerard Way again, right? Mm-hmm. So is I don't know. Is I'm guessing it's a continuation of what the stories he already did. Um, that's what I was reading. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Collapser by Mikey Way, which must be related to Gerard Way. <laughs> And Sean Simon on that book. And then Far Sector from N.K. Jemison, uh, who's working on New Green Lantern. Yeah, so the only thing that interests, interests me there is that there's a New Green Lantern coming. Yeah. Um, well, is Young Animals in continuity 
I don't know. It's this is all very strange. I mean, Gerard Way's getting a lot of publicity lately, and I don't know if this book is. I don't know if this Doom Patrol is coming back because of that or because of the popularity of the show on DC Universe. Um, I, I don't, don't know because that was a that was a book I wanted to read, and then it coming to um, DC Universe, the app, not just the show, but the comic. I was excited to read it, but then I my usual bitch about DC Universe. I can't get the app on my tablet. So it's available on Amazon, but not on the Amazon tablets. Makes sense oh, of that for me. So it's, I don't like reading things on my phone. It's really tough to like, yeah, I'm an old man. But uh, I want to try it out because I like Doom Patrol. And I tried Umbrella Academy, and I was like, I'll hate this book because Gerard Wade, and I absolutely love that book. So I mean, I hold judgment until I can actually read it. But the other book, The Collapser, like there was no discussion of what that book is and yep. i don't know where these books stand in terms of the overall dc arc like yeah i'm not sure it's weird dc has all these different imprints and i'm like not sure yeah. where they stand in continuity and i'm not saying continuity is everything like i we've said it a few times now but as somebody who enjoys continuity and wants to know how the books affect other things like i would like to know if these books are actually affecting things in the overall universe yeah i guess we'll find out um well indeed colin bunn this is uh independent stuff colin bunn and uh fran gallon are now a new series from aftershock called knights templar sold that's all i needed to hear yeah man yeah i mean <laughs> it looks like uh all the stuff he's doing at aftershock has what we talked about with uh Mark Russell episodes back of an underlying current of Christian mythology Mm -hmm. and Colin's taking that extra step and doing Christian Christian mythology with historical uh, implements in it. So dark arc aside, his books have been stories of like twisted stories of events that may or may not have happened in the past, but are kind of based in history Mm -hmm. with a Christian theology bend. And I, I fucking loved every single one of them. So good. I'm excited for this. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of the books you read this week. Um, comics. comics. I'm going to start off with, well, uh, eclipse volumes one and two, um, because we had the fabulous guest, uh, Zach Kaplan on the show today. I caught up on eclipse volume one and two, and there's three volumes. Um, Really cool story, like he talked about the uh, basically the sun has overheated and you can't go out during the day or you'll melt, which creates a really cool um, way of life, as well as uh, weird political happenings and science happenings to where like there's this race of people that can have adapted, they've genetically um, adapted to be able to stand out in the sun and not be harmed by the sun's rays. So. There's a little bit of uh, conflict revolving around that. Um, it's really, it's a really cool story, and uh, I'll probably read volume three. I just that's all I could read this weekend. Uh, really good stuff. He uh, he does a lot of really good world building, and it's very interesting to see the 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 city life at night and stuff like that. Um, Superman number ten. Did you read that? I did. 
Uh, you want to talk a little bit about it? We get the interaction with Superboy and um, Superwoman, a.k.a. Lois Lane of Earth-3, the crime syndicate. Yeah, and we get kind of an explanation of what happened with the whole time jump for John and where he stands. Yeah. Um, And also what happened with his grandfather. So there's there's a lot going on in this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, The... I liked how they implemented Ultraman and Superwoman into how Jonathan felt about his parents and how it was like, you know, a lot, some people have problems with their parents or their, their, how they grew up. And he was like, I didn't even want to punch them because I don't have any ill will towards you. I had nothing to get out. I just wanted mm-hmm. to get away. I really like that dynamic. Um, and then I liked how it tied all back together to the overall story with, I forget the villain's name at this point, but him coming back and attacking uh, Jor-El and John and that being the impetus to John getting back to Earth and now Superman and John have to go find him. Yeah, they gotta go figure out where he is. And then the little little tidbit of like, before they go, Lois being like, I'll take care of Leviathan, don't worry. (laughs) Just, Just to add in that little bit of like, I know this is going on too, but... Yeah. But we want to do something fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good issue. Uh, Murder Falcon number seven, dude. Oh, my. Someone wrote this issue for me, man. So have you been reading this? I haven't. You, you, have you read it? No. Oh, dude. So uh, the last issue, Murder Falcon, Jake and his, his familiar, Murder Falcon, were injured. And um, they basically, they have this plan. They... They were meted, They were met by this uh, this other metal like guy from the Netherlands or some somewhere who also has a familiar, and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna go to Japan because there's like a resistance in Japan, dude." So they meet up with all of these like orchestra players that all have like uh, special instruments like they wield for their monsters because and like they've developed like an army because uh, there's like a there's like a U.S. presence, like a U.S. base army presence in Japan. And they realize the only way to fight off these like kaiju monsters is with music, music, those special musical instruments. So like they have to go there because one of the, like the masters of assembling instruments is there to fix the, uh, Jake's broken guitar because he's injured and also his guitar is broken. So we can't summon murder Falcon. Uh, there's this really cool store. Like, um, he was injured by the, the great evil and like, he's like in a coma right now and the great evil's trying to, bring him back to the days when he had cancer and trying to like break his will. Like nobody cares about you. And he's like, actually I know tons of people care about me. Um, so there's this awesome like internal struggle going on while, while the, the big monster shows up to Japan and murder Falcon isn't awake yet to de- defend it. So they assemble like the whole orchestra dude, they show up like on tanks and everything wielding like, I don't know, like cellos and violins. And what is it like? What, Someone is someone loves me, man. I they assemble like when they play all the instruments together, it summons a giant samurai, like giant mecha samurai dude, and he just like goes to town on this monster. So while they're fighting, the samurai gets destroyed because he's not strong enough. Well, murder it just like all the timing happens perfectly because of the comic book, but then Murder Falcon wakes back up and he grabs the samurai sword, the giant samurai sword that's like on the ground, and he just friggin just cuts this monster up and it's awesome and, and jake at the end he has like long blonde hair he's like he's like we're gonna take the fight to them and he 
he rips he rips his hair off and he's actually been wearing a wig for like the past five issues which is a very powerful moment because he's like finally embracing the fact that he he was a very weak person at one time and like almost gave up everything when he had cancer so it was like a really powerful moment and i was like this book is fucking amazing it's amazing dude giant samurais metal anyways um one day i'll check it out yeah I really liked it. Uh, the new Batman issue came out, and um, it was like I—I I almost I got like tricked by Tom King. So it was a—it was an issue about the bachelor party and the bachelor party for. Um, it was—it was a good issue. So as far as like it's part of the Nightmare series, I think this is like installment six or seven. Um, at the end of this issue, we finally get to see Batman chained up somewhere and like has this device on where we're like just going through his mind still, which, okay, I need more glimpses of that. Give me more real time stuff. And with, with the nightmares, as far as like the nightmare issue goes, it wasn't bad. It was like the, like I said, the bachelor and bachelorette party and Bruce's like super awkward and boring with like him and him and Clark just like eating dinner at the house and like looking at all his antiques and stuff. And, uh, and Lois, Lois and um, Selena are—they break into the Fortress of Solitude, and there's like helper Superman there that they have like start stripping for him and stuff, and uh, and then they like they go into the there's a vault with all these like um, very like special liquors from all over the universe, like thousands of bottles of liquors, and so like they're pouring out all these different drinks, and one of them's like a bottle from New Genesis, and like each of them look kind of funky and they all have like their own calling well, like within DC comics. So it was a really fun issue. It sucks that it's still part of the nightmares. Um, but as far as this goes, like the nightmare issues have been like really out obscure and like out there, but this one is kind of like, okay, this is, uh, this is, I mean, he should be fantasizing about like the wedding and what happened or like, at least in the dream state. And then we can see Batman like chained up at the end, which is kind of interesting. So, I thought it was a good issue. Wonder Twins number three. Did you read that? I did. You want to talk about that? Uh, uh, I mean, we get the monkey. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cool story, though. So we get like the, the Wonder Twins pet monkey in this issue. And uh, it, it's really sad. The monkey has like PTSD from being in the circus. And like, it's really sad. They used to make the, take this monkey and make him like jump through flaming hoops and it was like oh this is really fucked up i feel really bad for this monkey um yeah i, I like the super villain who is like a what's the word for it but he's like afraid to get hurt yeah so he's always just like oh don't do that my back's gonna give out yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we get to see more of the shitty uh the shitty villains the league of annoyance um oh and Scrambler has the best idea of a supervillain I've heard in a long time. Yeah. Everybody's like, we don't got money for that. So, right, right. Good thinking, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, poor Scrambler. He's like stuck with these awful villains. Um, <laughs> that's really cool. And then there's going to be a connection there because uh, one of the Wonder Twins befriends a girl whose father has been kind of like forced by Lex Luthor to help out the league of annoyance because they suck. <laughs> um, so there's going to be some, some type of, there's going to be more weight to like what's going on with their battles in the league of annoyance, but it's, Oh dude, this series, I mean, it's such a breath of fresh air and it's Mark Russell's killing it. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, that's that's all I had this week. I got to read Prodigy number five, but I uh, I did not get to it. So okay, I'll try to be quick. I got Detective Comics one thousand one. Um, I wanted to check out what they were doing with the, the Arkham Knight. So mm-hmm. this issue is the first real issue in that story arc, and basically he's a knight. Um, so there's he's got like some cult. And he's got oh. other people that are dressed up as knights. Mm-hmm. And uh, we start off the story with all the bats in Gotham are dying, like flocks of them. So we see Commissioner Gordon in the park, and he's just got all these dead bats around him. And then we cut to the bat cave, and Bruce Wayne's just sitting there with dead bats all around him. <laughs> and they can't figure out why. It has some connection to the Arkham Knight, but they're still trying to figure out. But that takes him to Kurt Langstrom who was gone on justice league business. So his wife is there. Oh, um, they meet up with her. She ends up turning into a, a woman bat. Oh, um, okay. and that takes them to the Gotham zoo where they go to find more bats. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then the really interesting part of the story is right after that, where we get this glimpse and it looks like a nuke goes off, but what really happened was the Arkham Knight decided to make a mini sun and suspend it in the atmosphere so that Gotham is now in 24 seven daylight. So there's, there's no darkness for Batman to hide in. And it sounds corny, but it's really cool um, because it's Batman trying to fight in the, the light and against these knights who have, he can't figure out how they're, their weapons are, they look like something from the medieval times, but they're able to penetrate his armor mm-hmm. and they actually end up defeating him. And the last panel spoilers is the Arkham Knight holding Batman down with a sword to his neck. That sounds so awful. it sounds a little cheesy and it can be, but I think the story overall is really good. Dude. What a, what a great idea. Create a mini sun. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, it, <laughs> Speaking of Simpsons, it reminds me of kind of the opposite of Mr. Burns's plan to block out the sun so that everybody sees. Right. Um, and then I read Fair Lady number one. This is a new image book. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't really for me, but it it was well done. It was kind of a almost saga ish um book without the sci fi elements, and it's about these two people who are in a fairyland or um fantasy style setting and they're detectives and the whole thing is that there's plenty of fair men who are detectives but this is the only fair lady in all the land yeah. um like i said was it for me but it was still a well done book and i did like the art on it um star wars age of rebellion grandma Moff tarkin so this book was all about um grandma Moff tarkin during episode four of star wars so he destroys alderaan and first we get a glimpse of right before that when they're practicing and him telling all the gunners that are manning the different uh parts of the ship's laser mm-hmm. um that they're basically all screw-ups and that if they don't do their job they're they should leave and go to labor camps and that's a setup for the moment when alderaan is being blown up and he has put sensors in all the different uh, gunners. And he realizes that they all hesitated right before. And that's not acceptable for Tarkin. Oh. So 
this really shows Tarkin for the tyrant he is because he then sends them all into a um, airlock and shoots them out in the space and just sits there and laughs. That's awesome. Um, I love these one shots they're doing. It started with uh, all prequel stuff, but now we're into Age of Rebellion, which is the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And they're great little character pieces of the different characters. So if there's a character you really like in Star Wars, there's probably a one shot right now out about them. And they're just great one shot stories that are in and done 20 pages. Um, but this one in particular is really good. Uh, Oblivion Song 14 was good. It's We're into the four years in the future, and something is mutated on Oblivion, and it's human-like. So we're trying to figure out what's going on there. Um, sorry, I got a lot of books, so I want to get to the ones that I really liked. But uh, Batman Who Laughs, number four. This book got really good all of a sudden. Oh, wow. Um, so Batman has taken the serum that turns the Batman who laughs into the Batman who laughs. <laughs> and he's trying to fight it. But there's a great moment in here because he does it because it gives him a sense through the dark multiverse of things that the Batman who laughs can see. Mm-hmm. And there's a great moment where he meets up with Joker and they have this back and forth of like who's going to win in the end. And Joker says, like, but do you want to know the dirty secret is I hope none of us win, neither of us win, because I want us to keep doing this forever. And it's just kind of that moment of forever. The Joker's a bad guy, but the Joker's really that kind of he wants to play with Batman all the time. (laughs) Nothing to do. Like, like, what else is he going to do with his life? But that's his contingency plan, as he says, if I go over the hump, that you need to take care of me. Because the Joker hates the Batman who laughs more than Batman does. Right. Because he thinks it's a bastardization of what Batman is. And he says, if I go over that line, you need to take me out. Hmm. Um, But yeah, really good issue. Check that one out. We talked about Superman. Invaders number four was a little disappointing. It was about how Namor got to where he is and how um, Professor Xavier was a part of that. I was hoping it would be a little more involved, but it really was just a traumatic experience. And Xavier does what he always does and fucks up. <laughs> and says, I'm going to suppress this, and it doesn't work. So it was a little disappointing. I was hoping for more, but it sets us up for a good place in the next issue. And then Web of Venom, Cult of Carnage, which was actually a Frank Terrier book, but goes into the Donny Cate stuff. It was interesting. It's all about this cult that worships Null and uh, how they were like sacrificing people. And then we end up finding out that it's run by Carnage. And that's how Carnage is back. And it's kind of what's he, where he's going to be when the absolute Carnage starts. Hmm. That's all the books I got. Awesome. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this, uh, this really fun filled episode. Yes. So, Mike, where can people find you on those interwebs? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on the Twitter. Where can they find you, Chris, and or the show? Well, why they can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, or you can find the show at FCN underscore official or FortressCompanies.com, where everything we do is right there on that handy-dandy website. Remember, everybody, five-star reviews, like, share, subscribe on YouTube, all that fun stuff. And if you are in the New York area for free comic book day, we will be at Two Kings Comics and Victor. Check us out. Travel travel far and wide. There might be another guest coming that I can't officially announce, but it's going to be awesome.
Thanks for listening, everybody.